everybody. It is Thursday, April 20th, 2017. You're listening to the Talking Games Podcast. I'm Bobby Shortle. I'm here with Hugh Perry. Hello. Kelsey Lavati. Hey. And making his triumphant return, Mr. Matt Wood. Hello. Wood, 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 Wood. Yeah, so uh, happy happy 420, everybody. How's it going? (laughs) It's 24. Happy 420, bro. That that doesn't work in Europe, does it, Hugh? It's it's the 20th of April, so it's 20th of the 4th. (laughs) No, it's April 20th, so it's 420. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so we're back for another episode of Talking Games. We've got some stuff to go into. We're going to maybe possibly talk about some Star Wars. Oh my god. Yes, I like Star Wars. In case you didn't realize, Hugh does like Star Wars. I do. We're going to talk about a possible SNES classic that might be hitting. And then withdrawn a few months later. Yes, and then discontinued, <laughs> thusly. Uh, and we have some listener questions to to get through. Before we get to that, though, Matt, it's been a while. Mm. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm healthy. Wealthy. Uh, well, healthy. I was going to say, wealthy? Share it around, dude. I, I bought a Sega Master System recently. I, so definitely wealthy. I yeah, uh, it's a baller move. I cannot find a single Sega Master System game, so I think it works. Uh-huh. It didn't really sell well in Arkansas. Didn't really sell well in the United States. The Master True. System, Matt. Does it have Alex Kid pre-installed? It's it's not a Master a Master System two, uh, which was like the later model Master System came out around the time of the Genesis. That one had Alex Kid built into it. Oh. And that's not what this one is. Uh, this one has Snail Maze, so I have played Snail Maze. That sounds really exciting. It's a maze. You're a snail. There's a time limit. Great. There's a time limit and you're a snail? That seems like it's kind of yeah, going against it's the, snail, the snail ethos. Yeah, it's a... Uh, he, he, he can boogie for a snail. I mean, to be fair. Okay. I feel like that's like a good track off of like a Fallout Boy album from like 2008 <laughs> or something. Snail maze. No, he can boogie like a snail. He can build. Oh, I guess yeah. that might be more of a might be more of a Panic in the Disco title yeah. than a yeah. Fall Boy title. I guess a hundred percent. I saw Panic at the Disco in concert recently. Like, were they attending the concert or were you watching? They them? were opening for Weezer. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. Nice. In order to get to Weezer, I had to get through Panic at the Disco. They're a good band. And they have a couple tracks that I, that I, I'm okay with. They're fine, but the problem was <laughs> like when you're knocking on 30 you are the, the oldest person at that panic at the disco show <laughs> aside from the members of panic at the disco yeah i i think we were discussing last week on the show in depth about what millennial millennials are and what they aren't mm-hmm. um and i would say that although hugh and i are both we are now both the old men on this show right now um uh, uh-huh. the old people on this show because I think we've got a good, I've got a good five years on you, Matt. Mm. Um, if you're just pushing thirty, yeah. So, so I'm uh, probably like six. Yeah. So I would say that us older period millennials don't like Panic at the Disco as much as the younger period millennials do. <laughs> the the kids love. Yeah. Love. <laughs> but at least they're not Coldplay. Oh, shut up, Hugh. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Diet you too. Oh yes. Let's talk about you too. Yeah. Oh, let's please? not talk Can about we? you too. No, we're not going to talk about you too. <laughs> For God's sakes. So what's the name of the, Kelsey, the, the first Panic Disco album, which is, I can't remember what it's called, but it has the I Write Sins, Not Tragedies song on it. Yeah. Which was yeah. the first hit they ever had. Was that, was that the first album you listened to? And how old were you when that album came out? This is my question. <sighs> okay. As a retired emo, 
I was 15. It was 2008. The I had huge bangs swept across my face, black hair, black eyeliner, and I identified so well with Panic at the Disco. Emo. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that sounds about right for for that. <laughs> it's for sure. That's the demographic. Though they do have a, they do have some good songs. I'm not gonna lie. I do I do like I hated them at the time when they were popular, and then afterwards. Um, I, I began to enjoy some of their music. It was also a problem where I worked at Best Buy at the time where both them and Fall Out Boy got really big. And so on like the internal Best Buy radio, there was a Panic at the Disco song and there was Dance Dance by Fall Out Boy that played nonstop for like four months of my life. Best song, Dance Dance. You're lucky. You're blessed. Yeah, I'm very, definitely hashtag blessed on this on this 420 day um, <laughs> for having hearing dance dance for so long. Hmm. Uh, I mean, if, if it was like they were playing like Sergeant Pepper on a loop, I could live with that. But yeah, you know. But even that, like that's like it, that's one of those things where it's like you're poisoned by your delights or whatever. Because eventually, if you listen to that too many times at the place where you worked and didn't like working over and over and over again, you end up hearing that too. Yeah. Um, you associated yeah. with it yeah we started bringing in our own cds and stuff and and playing them at, at, at and the because the back then it was like we had like a giant like 10 disc changer underneath like the media department's com- computer where they and they sent us like a pack of cds and this, let, me, let me tell you this is after the time in which that should have been the way they did it it was that even then it was like oh, i can't believe they're still sending us a big pack of cds to play here um and there was one time where one month or one cycle where they didn't send us one. So we had to listen to the one we've been listening to for the entire last cycle all over again. And that broke us all. So we just started bringing in our own stuff and, and listening to it. Uh, and as long as we didn't have anything with any bad language in it, we were pretty much okay. So no one had really ever noticed. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard Dance Dance probably 7 million times in my life. And that was probably over a four-month period. So... I can do without at that point. Um, <clears throat> though I have come, I've come around all of those type of bands I, at some point or another. Once they were not being shoved down my throat, I ended up liking them. But this isn't a music podcast as much as, as, much as I'm sure our listeners would love it to be. Um, uh, we we, we got to talk about some video games. So uh, I'm going to put three minutes on the clock, and I'm going to go to Hugh first here for a little lightning round business. Okie dokie. Um, I will tell you, Matt and Hugh, you cannot talk about Battlefront in this lightning round. We will talk about that in like a segment area. Okay? Wasn't going to. All right, just letting you know because I deleted <laughs> it off your list earlier. All right, and go. <laughs> okay, so first of all, um, I've played a couple of hours more of um, Persona 5. Um, not too much, but I'm at the point now where I can go for a steak every day, um, which I'm really enjoying. I like steak, so that's good. Um, I've also got a nice TV, and I'm renting DVDs and buying books. So, you know, I'm having a good sort of, like, food and drink and media shebang going on in that game now. Um, And I'll probably crack on and try and get to the next dungeon in the next week or so. Um, I played Guardians of the Galaxy Episode 1 straight through in one sitting. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, They do... It's... In a similar vein to the Batman game, they have a bit of creative license, so they manage to pull off a few moments where you go, oh, okay, I didn't see that coming. Um, 
really funny couple of good tunes in it um as you'd expect um it doesn't the humor doesn't always hit home because i feel like once or twice it riffs a bit too heavily on jokes they do in the movies um in that they're like very very similar but in the main very good and it's nice to see the fact that this new telltale engine seems to be nice and stable there was a few odd pauses but no major glitches um and earlier on this evening i played a new game called um late shift um published by um wales interactive yeah go wales um and it's pretty cool it's this full fmv it's basically just a choose your adventure movie um so you're playing as this guy who's a car park attendant and gets dragged into some crazy shit and every now and then you have to make decisions and then it branches off from that so it's kind of like a telltale movie for want of a better way of expressing it um and i really enjoyed it um i got to the end and it says there's um seven different endings and i'm like really interested to see the other endings and how to get to them it takes about an hour and a quarter an hour and a half to play through um and it's fairly cheap i think the price has gone down since it came out so i think it's un here it's under 10 pounds now there's a special there's a ps plus offer on it so um if you're looking for something that's a little bit different to play then i highly recommend it and that's me cool yeah, the last I checked here, Hugh, I think it was like twelve bucks on Steam. Uh, it's ten thirty nine, ten dollars and thirty nine cents. Yeah, on Steam I think right there's now. a little bit of PS Plus discount gone on it on the PSN because I. Oh, yes. it's on it's on PS4. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, very nice. Because I think yesterday it was about. It's not much. It's only like a pound a pound difference, but yeah, mm. is, there is a bit of a PS Plus discount on it. All right. Cool. Very cool. That's that's your time, Hugh. Good job, my friend. Good, good job. Concise. Very concise. Kelsey, you are up, my friend. You have three minutes. Don't forget to unmute your microphone and go. Okay, so <clears throat> I haven't played uh, that much this week because of uh, my essays, but I managed to play a bit more of ukulele. Still really liking it. Um, the gameplay hasn't really changed. You just learn more moves and then... With the more moves, you can go into the different worlds. Uh, I still really like it. I'm, I love, still love the music. I'm still pretty happy with it. Um, but I started playing a new game. It's called Flint Hook. And it's made by Tri Tribute Games in, here in Montreal. Yay. And it's like um, Castlevania roguelike type of game. And... It has like that pixelated um, art. So, and I really, really like that art. So I tried playing it for a bit. Um, it's really hard, <laughs> very hard. Um, but it's it's a typical, like, I'm sure if you've played any type of game like that, you'll understand. It's like you go in a room and your map is like a bunch of squares. They look like a Lego piece kind of. And you can go down or to the sides, and depending the room you go in, you can get attacked by, like, one villain or ten or ten and a boss kind of thing. And basically, the point of the game is you have to, uh, you're a bounty hunter, and you have to go on different ships. And with those ships, you find, like, little pieces that you can add to your, like, he's like a GPS, but he's like a little slime monster, and you feed it to him. 
and then he's able to find your bounty and then so I haven't passed like beating the bounty yet because it like I said it's super hard but it's so it's so much fun I'm really really enjoying it so far that's all all right have you uh kept up with any Mass Effect Kelsey or are you off that train <laughs> no <laughs> and I feel bad about it but I like I want to get back to it probably when I have more time mm -hmm. just for now <laughs> gotcha okay that's all right um yeah Flint Hook is something I've been interested in you know it's uh like you said it's a it's a run-based uh roguelike game uh it's really because it has the main movement mechanic is this grappling hook, right? That you use to sort of. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the flint hook, I think, in 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 question. Yeah. Yeah, but it's because it's cool. It seems the the movement seems really interesting, and it, it does seem difficult. I've been watching some uh, playthroughs of it, um, and it seems like yeah. a cool game. But uh, yeah. my life is taken up by the giant game that he was also talking about right now. So I have not had a time to, to jump into it at all. Uh, but it's cool that you're playing it. Another, another one of those, like, Oh, Kelsey doesn't play hard games. And then she plays like incredibly hard games. Yeah. And always. then breezes through them. I yeah. Think you cut out. I can't hear anyone. <laughs> all right. Uh, Matt, you got, you got some stuff to talk about here. I have That's things. not star Wars. It's not star okay, Wars. <laughs> all right. All right. You have three minutes, sir. And go. The first game I played uh, that, that comes to mind is Star Wars. Not <laughs> starts. At, uh, I, I did play Knights of the Old Republic a, a little bit because I never played it. Uh, oh, I love that game. Classic, I love man. that game. And uh, a friend of mine uh, from college, I met up with him. We were in Dallas for the uh, Fan Expo Comic Con thing they had there. And uh, he had some Xbox stuff. He knew I, ha I just got one. And by Xbox, I mean Xbox, Xbox. Um, and he, uh, gave me some Halo games and Knights of the Old Republic one and two, uh, and Battlefront, but not the one that we can't talk about. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I played a little bit of it and, uh, it, it's not bad. I just, I, I can already tell that that's going to be a thing to take on and I, I'm just not up for taking on a, a big game like that right now. Um, the uh, big thing that I had to talk myself out of this week uh, was uh, the Disney Afternoon Collection. I do want it, and I plan on getting it. Uh, I just it's it's hard to pull the trigger on it when I already have the RetroPie. I have two uh, two of those games physically, um, and honestly, out of what I've played, I've played Telspin, I've played Darkwing Duck. I don't think I would ever touch those games. So, like, I would only be there for the Chippendale and DuckTales games anyway. Ch -ch -ch Chippendale. I know. It's been stuck in my head, too. Rescue uh, Rangers. I, I've, been, I've been seeing it a lot, and <laughs> people in the house want me to stop. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, no, I, I played... Uh, I, I went and played a good deal of those uh, instead of buying the uh the disney afternoon because i do want it i like that rewind feature that seems cool the gallery stuff looks really awesome uh, it's a nice package i would like to get it i just kind of want to hold off uh i think for 20 bucks if it was a physical release like they did with the Mega Man games i would have bought it no question but knowing that that will get cheaper is just I, I i couldn't exactly force myself to pull the trigger on it so I played a good deal of DuckTales and, uh, and Chippendale uh, over the past couple of days. Um, those games are really, really good. DuckTales might be, might be, it, emphasis on might, 
might be the best game on NES. Oh, come on, Matt. The best game on the <laughs> NES? DuckTales? It's a great game. Don't get me wrong. It's a great game. Are my two minutes on. up? Are three minutes? They are no, now. your three minutes aren't up. Sorry. It's, you it's have 15 seconds right. left. I... <laughs> it is the best game on the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> no, it is It is a lot of fun. It is, it is the most... I think it's incredibly accessible... Uh, the music is excellent. It is. If it's not the best. Now game, your time is up. Now your time is up. It's the best game Capcom put out on the NES. Okay. Well, I, I can maybe go with you on that one. It is a very good game. Mega Man Yeah, no, it is a very agree. good game. It is a very good game for sure. Um, now, Kelsey, Chip and Dale are two chipmunks who <laughs> used to solve crimes. I know who they are. <laughs> okay. One dresses up as Magnum P.I. He was a TV character in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Who once teamed up with Jessica Fletcher, <laughs> who you see as a typewriter. Uh, now, a typewriter <laughs> is a form of analog writing machine. So now, a machine is a thing that has moving parts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, this, this, this is funny because this is, this is years ago now, but like um, I had two, two of my little cousins over and they were like, you know, they were like probably eight and 12 or something. And I had like my old like iPod classic sitting on like a desk or whatever. And my twelve my year old cousin picks it up and he goes, What is this? Is this an iTouch? Oh. And I was like, No, this is it's just an iPod. Put it down. I, it only came out like five years ago. <laughs> you must be really strong if you can pick those things up. Yeah, they're, they're heavy. very heavy. They're very heavy. Um so cool. Cool, 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 cool. I thought I was wondering if you'd bring up the Disney Afternoon Collection, Matt. Yeah, I, I was I was bad tempted. It, it it looks it looks amazing. And I, I have played the Mega Man one. If it's anything like that, then it's it's it, it's definitely worth twenty dollars. It really is. I think it was the same people like pretty much who did it. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's I, it's got the same sort of quality. I would love to see I would love to see uh you know, uh, another package of that. Like Capcom does have excellent games on the NES outside of Mega Man, the Disney stuff. It would be cool to see like Ghosts and Goblins and Legendary Wings and mm-hmm. uh, all the other wonderful games they put out. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Get that, get that facelift. <laughs> all right, I'm going to put three minutes for myself here, and here we go. So, yeah, like Hugh said, I've been playing Persona 5. I put another 10 hours into it. That's going to be my kind of repeated call every time we come back here to record this thing. I put another 10 hours into it. I'm, I'm just about done with the second dungeon at this point, the second palace. Uh, and I continue to love the game. Um, all the things I've said hold true. Uh, I, I really enjoy the time where the game lets you do all those things that Hugh was talking about, where I can go and watch a movie or go hang out at the arcade or go to the batting cages or, you know, participate in a giant hamburger eating contest in Shibuya. You know, that kind of stuff is is a lot of fun. And I love that each each thing you do, even though it sort of seems pointless, is adds to a, a stat that you that you might have and you know it's I, I find it funny like there are ones that make sense and then there are ones where you know i get like proficiency points for finishing that hamburger which i think is is, is a really funny thing um but i'm really enjoying it i still really like the characters the new the new um sort of person or the new bad guy you're going after 
He's still really good. It's not quite as good as the first one, just because it's not as personal to the characters, but it's still a lot of fun, and, and the design of the dungeon and stuff is is, is really neat. Um, and I'm still listening to that soundtrack over and over and over again, so that hasn't changed in a in a week. Um, I didn't dive into much else. The other thing, the only thing I really dived into was um, I played I played a little bit and watched a little bit of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is a game I think Hugh mentioned a few weeks ago. I did. Um, just to give it a try, because I figured I need to play something else. Other, talk about something else other than Persona. Um, so it's like a Battle Royale slash Hunger Games type of thing. It's a hundred real people, like real player-controlled characters, are in an airplane, and it goes over an island, and you pick when you want to jump out of the airplane over this island, and then you hit the ground, and you have nothing. You just you just close on your back, and you have to scramble to find weapons and clothes and ammo and health packs, and you're trying to survive the full hundred people but if you don't, if you get killed, that's it. You're done, and that's it for that match. And you can just reload into an, another match. There, it, it, it's it's a one kill type of thing. Um, I've had a couple, I had a little bit of technical issues with it. It it died for me a couple of times, like it, my computer froze. But um, it it's a lot of fun to play because it's very very tense. Like I, it, it's not even about how good you are at first person shooters. It's just this extremely intense thing where constantly as well. There, there's like a circle on the map that's like the safe play area and it, and it constricts as the match goes along it gets smaller and smaller and if you're outside of that area you just die immediately um so it, it's forcing everyone to the middle of this middle of this pack or or what have you um it's really fun really tense uh and it's really fun to watch too it's really fun to watch people play it because if you're watching the right streamer or something like that and and, and they're they're good at uh at commentary it's a lot of fun um so it's something that i'm gonna dive more into and i think i'll maybe actually do a video about it at some point but uh it's a it's a cool little game yeah i'm kind of jealous you've got a pc that can run it I do have a PC that can run it, yeah. But the thing is, like, I was trying to play it on because I, I figured it's a better a mouse and keyboard game than a controller game. Uh, I'm do they have controller good. support now? Yeah, they do have controller support for it. Oh, okay. Um, at least I think so because I, I, I was watching a stream the other night and like the the controller prompts kept popping up on the the game because their controller kept turning on without them realizing it, and they were trying to use the mouse and keyboard. So I'm assuming there's controller support now. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I was trying to use. They might have mapped some controls or something, possibly. Yeah, maybe. But I was trying to... I I have a Mac. It doesn't run on a Mac, but I have, you know, uh, Boot Camp installed with Windows. So I launched Windows, and I was playing it on here, and it would run for a little while, and then it would just crash. And I'm not sure if that's because the game's early access and it's buggy, or whatever graphics card is in the new iMac I have doesn't play very well with it so i'm gonna try it on my regular pc hopefully i can use a controller because it's tough to use a keyboard from my couch where my my pc is hooked up but um it seems a cool thing and, and it seems like it's gonna be a fun game to like it's it's not a game where which i care whether i'm good at it or not it's about sort of the process of, uh, of doing it um so yeah that's that's what i've been that's what i've been playing um and let's uh let's roll it into our first listener question here and this is from bill reeves he asks what game have you wanted to play, but just for some reason, haven't? Hugh, what about you? Um, I think the obvious one that sticks out right now is probably, although I started it, it's probably Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm. Um, which I will that I've I think I've pr- pretty much benchmarked that as my um summer game for this year. Like once the summer sort of lull happens, that'll be when. I get into that because I know I'm going to enjoy it. Um, 
so yeah, right now that is the obvious one for me. Yeah, that's that's a summer game for me too. It just the Zelda sort of Persona Mass Effect crossover just messed up that game for me as far as playing time goes. But it's it's my post uh, Persona game that I'm going to hit. Um, Kelsey, what about you? Any games that you uh, have always wanted to play but for some reason have not? Uh, I actually really wanted to play Horizon Zero Dawn, but I couldn't because I was like, oh, I'll like Mass Effect more. And I didn't have enough time with school to play like two big games. And I was convinced I was going to buy the Switch at the same time. I thought I would have gotten that done by then. <laughs> that dream so has thought, still not become a reality. <laughs> no. <laughs> so even Zelda Breath of the Wild, there's another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because I just haven't sold my Wii U because of my busyness. Mm-hmm. And just being too tired to do anything other than school. <laughs> what about like but, what about past before like Horizon? What about games that you over the years that you've just missed? Uh, yeah, I, I would have loved to play like the games that you guys played, but I wasn't born. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of games. That's a long period of time. <laughs> it is a lot of games. Hmm. That's most of the, all the games that Matt talks about. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta start with Combat really, on the I'm... Atari 2600. Yeah. yeah. Pong. I'll start there. Mm-hmm. Oh, Pong, Pong. classic. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Um, what about you, Matt? Horizon Zero Dawn is one of them. I, I, was, I really wanted to play that game. I mean, I, I had it pre-ordered for forever, but then it ended up getting announced... Uh, it was announced first, I think, as far as a release date. And then the Switch was announced like the same week or the week after. And I was like, that's just not going to happen. Like, that's, that's mm-hmm. not only is that a ton of money, but that's also just, there's, I will not touch it. And I don't want to buy a game and not, you know, at least give it a try. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, another game that's been on the back burner for a long time is Bayonetta 2. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that's I, a great game. I, like, I have it. I, I, I like the first Bayonetta a whole bunch. And uh, I, I would love to play it. I just, uh, you know, time is time is time is tough. And as far as like an older game, uh, because there's there's a few, uh, you can't play everything. I've never played Conker's Bad Fur Day, and I would love to at least give that a shot. I like Banjo Kazooie, and as long as the play style is a little bit similar, and it is, but the humor does not hold up at all. Yeah, because you're not I've, twelve anymore. Yeah, I, I I feel like that's part of it. I, I feel like that is. And I, I know that it, it came out on that uh, that rare uh, collection. Oh, rare replay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if, if ever, I, I don't have an Xbox One, but you know, ten years from now, when I when I can find it for when you $10, Craigslist it, when well, whatever, whatever replaces Craigslist, <laughs> when I need <laughs> a stranger scared. on, yeah, you know, uh, on the internet for it, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. So for me, uh, The Witcher. Three is definitely one of these games which I played. I played some of it. I played like eight hours of it and then put it down because other stuff came out. I don't know if that was the Metal Gear or Solid Five uh, around the time. I think they both came out sort of around the same time, but um, I just stopped playing it and never went back to it. And it's perennially the game that I'm like, I'm going to play The Witcher Three. Like that's the, the, the and like when when there's a downtime, I'm going to play The Witcher Three. 
But here's the secret, folks. There is never a downtime. No. <laughs> Especially this year. It's been a nonstop, like... Uh, I really thought like, oh, at some point in this year, I'll, I'll, I'll put some time into it and play it again, but that still hasn't happened. Um, I've never played the first Dead Space, which is a game that I would really like to play. I played the second one and absolutely adore it. It's one of my favorite games of last generation. Uh, and I played the third one, which is bad. Um, but I've never played the first Dead Space, and that's a game that I would really, really like to actually play through. Um, and also... I've never played Metroid Prime 2. <laughs> I played Metroid Prime 1, and I played Metroid Prime 3, and I love both of those games, but I've never played 2. So, that's one for me. Just got my, my Metroid sort of checklist that I would like to, to get through. Yeah. So, those are the ones um, for me. Uh, Kelsey, did you have any other on, on your mind? I feel like we kind of cut you off a little bit. No, I can't even think. There's so many. I, I can't even think of, like, a specific one right now. Just Maybe... The, mm-hmm. Maybe like the original Mario. Like I've played. Um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the word. But like when you play it on the computer, but it's not emulated. Real. Yes, yeah. exactly. I've played the emulator of it, and I just I kind of wanted to. I want to play like the real thing, and I would love to play um, like any of those like original games that you need to play kind of thing. But I just don't have the consoles for them, so I, I've never had the chance. Right. Absolutely. Well, that kind of leads us into this next, your topic, Kelsey, in, 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 in sort of a way. So why don't you talk about what, what you brought to the table this week? Uh, yeah, so Eurogamer released uh, an article uh, yesterday. <laughs> yes, that, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> that Nintendo will follow up its... Uh, um, NES mini console with the SNES and um, people were like kind of discussing if they would like change the way they were gonna um, brand it and sell it because I didn't know this but it wasn't gonna be a permanent well okay like I should have known it wasn't gonna be a permanent thing but like I would have thought that they would have sold it a bit longer um, and now, like, I wonder how they're going, going to go about selling this one. Like, since the other one was such a success, um, are they going to do it or are they not? Because now, like, people who bought the NES at Christmas time last year, they bought it for really cheap. It, well, in Canada, it was seventy nine ninety nine, I think. Here, here it was $60. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then now it's... It's what? It's only April and it's on the internet for sale for like $300. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing. Like I know Nintendo as a company are generally more like concerned about their image and stuff like that. And like if you make something rare, you like you as a company got your $79.99. But like another person is getting like $300 off of you. And I think a, there's a lot of sales for it considering how rare it was like my my friend that that bought me if you all recall the one who didn't put one aside for me (laughs) she had she hasn't even opened it yet and now she wants to sell it online because of its like its demand and i don't know if that would have been if that's still a smart decision on nintendo's part to do that with the snes 
would they make it more expensive so that less people are more inclined to buy it? Like, there's just a bunch of things that I think they would need to consider basing off what happened with the NES. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I think that... I think anybody in Nintendo would probably tell you that if they could speak candidly that the way that they probably handled the SC- the NES Classic release and more more distinctly the follow-up to the release was probably not the way that they would want to have dealt with it. I, I think that I, I don't I don't think that they had any idea just how popular it was going to be. I think they expected it to be popular and sell out that first round, but I don't think they expected the huge run on on, on the item that there was. And their whole thing about like, oh, it was always meant to be a limited item. They never said that until yeah. they just dis- they said yeah. they were discontinuing it. They yeah. never said that. And, and so I-, I wonder if they just went, okay, like we we had to cut our losses now and just like we have to figure out a better way to produce these things. We had to figure out a better way to do something and then bring them back at another point. Um, or they're thinking, okay, now it's time to move away from this NES thing and, and make a make an SNES thing, which is now you, you have the demand loop all over again. Um, and I could definitely see them making it, I don't think they'll make it much more expensive, but I, I could definitely see them making it like $10 more expensive in yeah. some like bullshit, like Nintendo, like, oh, the games are more complicated <laughs> than the NES games. So now it's more expensive. Yeah. Like they do on the virtual console, you know, they're like, oh, like there's, it's $10 for these N64 games. I'm like, come on guys. Really? Yeah. Really? You really, it doesn't really matter how much you charge for them at this point, but it, it, it's crap. It's crap. It totally is. Of course. The question is, though, if I walked into a Target tomorrow and there was NES Classic, I would absolutely buy it. And I will absolutely want to buy and go searching for this SNES Classic when it comes out. Um, The SNES, for me, is just, it's probably my favorite console of all time. It is a console that I most identify, I should say, with my childhood and me becoming someone who likes to play video games was the SNES. So, like they always do, they have that grip on people, that grip of like, we were around when you were kids, and they, and they have that, that, that pull. So I will definitely be buying it. The reseller market, it's, you know, it, it is what it is to me. It's like, it sucks, like that Nintendo didn't make enough units to it's not to be a problem, but it happens in everything, right? It happens in comics, it happens in video games, it happens in movies, it happens everywhere. If you have an item that people want there isn't a lot of you can gorge them for it um and it's it's like always it's always that way it was funny we spoke about we spoke about degrassi a few months ago or whatever on the show so when my wife was buying the degrassi dvds the next generation dvds there's like one season that's out of print and so you you can only buy it like from second sellers on amazon and it's like $150 $150 or something for like this usual like $20 like DVD. So, you know, it happens everywhere, even with Degrassi, which if nothing else is sacred, if nothing is sacred, mm-hmm. then Degrassi would be sacred. Um, Hugh, are, are, what do you think? Did, did, was the thing, was NES Classic a thing over there too? Was it the same sort of deal? Yeah, and I think, I think if anything, it felt a bit like it was even harder to come by here than most places. Um, like, I think I know maybe one person who actually managed to get hold of one. Um, I don't actually know of any, like, physical, like, retailers that sold them. And I think the one time I looked on Amazon for it, um, it was just saying, like, out of stock, we don't know if we're going to get any more. But 
I mean, with this one, I'm my feelings was the SNES are much the same as yours, Bobby. Like it, that was that was the console that really like made me a gamer. Um, like I've I've said before on the show, like I've I don't remember a time when I haven't been like ha- haven't had something to play video games on, but that was the first thing that felt like it was mine. Um, I was, you know, starting to form my own sort of personal tastes for games and there's games on the SNES that, like, I still go back to, um, like, on emulators now and then, things like Rock and Roll Racing and um, Super Metroid and things like that um, because I just absolutely love them. So, yeah, I mean... As long as I could get hold of one, I would be very interested in an SNES classic. Um, but I, th- I think what they need to do this time is just understand the fact that there is... And it, it it seems to be a recurring thing with Nintendo. They just never seem to anticipate the demand for their products. Um, if they're going to sell it for a short period of time, fine. That's their prerogative. But pro- just produce more units of it. Just say, here it is, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's four times more as many as there was for the NES Classic. Um, once they're gone, they're gone. Um, and, you know, obviously st- that'll still inflate the resale value, but at least it'll give more people the opportunity to get hold of it. Um, but yeah, I think it's just turned, like the whole thing with the NES Classic has just turned into a complete shit show, really. Yeah, it, it it absolutely has, and I mean, Nintendo is a very conservative company, so they don't make like they with the NES Classic, they're not going to make four times as many as they think they might need because the last thing in the world they want to do is have those things just sitting on store shelves. Like they don't want they want everything gone, and that's what they want to do. And I don't think they, but I don't think they meant it to be what it was. I just think that by the time they realized the demand for it, they it was too late for them to produce enough in time, and uh, I think that. Now they run the risk of if they put four times as many on store shelves, then maybe they do sit on store shelves now. And all of a sudden, like that whole demand that they was cropped up around Christmas is gone. You know, so you tell people it's over, it's done. You get more a little bit more news about that and it gets rare again. And then maybe in the in the winter you put out an SNES classic and maybe you reissue the NES classic and then you have the run all over again. Um Kelsey, would, would do you want to buy an SNES Classic, even though you didn't get an NES Classic? Like, I still do, but I'm a bit turned off now by it, just because it, I don't know, I'm, like, worried at the same time that it'll be the whole debacle, and it just sort of turns me off. Like, I don't get a thrill from, like, chasing around different stores and stuff like that. Like, it, it just annoys me. So I feel like I... If I see it and it's there, I'll buy it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run around like I tried for the NES and like call places or like check Amazon. Like I'm not, I'm not down for that. But I, yeah. but I do want to play. All the, speaking of games that we we just haven't played, like I do want to play all these games, you know, that I miss. So that's the appealing part. But the this like, ooh, it's limited i don't like that yeah no i get that for sure I, and, and and matt sort of spinning it to you um i'm gonna i'm gonna 
put this question that Superbad Larry asked us in it. So he says, um, why buy the SNES Classic when it probably won't have access to an eShop and have old games that, that that he already has on his Wii? And I think that, that or Wii U, and I think that also translates to that's a very legal way to do it. The other legal way is to have the system and have the games already, and you're someone who has that going on and also has access to emulators where they can just play those games all at the same time. So what is the draw for you, Matt, in buying it when you have access to all these games already? Well, first of all, it's it's the fact that you're getting it on – it's on the level. I mean it is mm-hmm. it is straight from Nintendo. It's straight from – like they made deals with their third parties to get games like Mega Man and Castlevania and uh, Tecmo Bowl and all that stuff on there. And it – like – so we both have Raspberry Pis, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of work that you have to put into that to get a game running. I mean, it it's not exactly – I couldn't hand that to my older brother, even though he's not that much older than me. I mean, he just – he wouldn't have any kind of – it wouldn't be worth the hassle. But just plugging something into a TV and turning it on and it working, it's wonderful. You get the controller that feels just like the authentic controller. So, I mean, it, it's – it's nice. The presentation's nice. The graphics look good. The features, the uh, you know, you have the multi like filters and and things like that. Everything everything seems uh, excellent about this. I I just I'm this is this is the part where it's just so disappointing <laughs> for for what Nintendo does here. I, I think it's a dumb move uh, to to say discontinued. Uh, I, I get why they put it out in the first place. They had nothing for the holiday season. Uh, in 2016, they had to put something out there, and it was an incredibly smart move because no game they put out for sixty dollars would have had, you know, the demand that this thing had. I mean, it was it was pretty easy money uh, for them. They didn't have to put a huge development team on it. They had to strike a few deals with Capcom and Konami and Tecmo and some other third parties. It was a, it was a brilliant move, but but why? Even even if it does sit on the shelves a little bit, uh, I, I can't imagine that being a huge huge loss for Nintendo. It just seems strange. It seems really really strange for them to stop doing this. And then, you know, the rumors start a couple of days later that the Super Nintendo went up. I I would be hesitant uh, to to buy it, even though. Let's say they mark the Super Nintendo at $100. You know, they go $40 more than the one than NES was. If you get 30 Super Nintendo games for $100, that package is absolutely worth it. But, you know, maybe Nintendo would be a little bit better uh, uh, this year. Uh, with the Switch coming out, maybe they, they wouldn't be as desperate. Uh, maybe they would, maybe the demand wouldn't be as high. I can't imagine, though, that that it would be much different um, because I, most people that bought a switch would want this anyway. Um, yeah. I will say this. It makes me really curious about what they're going to do with virtual console. If they're ever going to bring that back. I mean, I think they, ha- I mean, I don't know if they'll call it virtual console. Here's the thing. I don't right. know if they'll say like, this thing is the virtual console, but I think that they will have old games on there. Cause they've already talked about giving old games, right. Mm-hmm. As part of their, here's a game for the month. Um, the fee or whatever that you're going to be paying for to play online. Right. So they're going to do some sort of old games program. I don't know if they're going to call it virtual console anymore. I don't know what they're going to do if they're just going to call it a classic section or what they're going to do, but there'll be something. Yeah. Um. You know, and to Superbad Larry's point about the Wii, like I totally get it. And like it, the thing about it is that it, I think when the NES Classic came out, 
that's what people always said, right? Which was like, it's it was just the idea of having this little box that you can put HDMI into your TV that looks like the the box that you had when you were a kid. It has the controllers look like the controllers that you had. And it's just that, you know, you don't have to keep an other system hooked up. You don't have it hooked up anymore, whatever it might be. And I think that's the allure of it. And I think mm-hmm. that I wouldn't want them to put it out and it be have access to download games later because I just want, I love the idea of this, this idea of a curated box. Oh, like yeah. Nintendo, Nintendo goes like, here are the 30 games we think that you need to play if we were making a mini NES. And I look forward to seeing what they, what those games are for the SNES as well. Um, and Matt, I had, I asked Matt to put together a little list for us of the games he thought should be on there because his Zelda list was so successful. So I wanted to, <laughs> yeah, I, wanted to keep I, that going. I, I will, I will say this, as far as this list is concerned, even though you may not agree with everything I put on here, after I tell you this list, there's no way you're going to be like, Oh no, I wouldn't buy that. So, uh, I'm going to go from the most obvious choices and here's the thing, Nintendo's going to put some garbage games on there. Uh, like, Star Fox is a bad game. It, it, it really... Oh, come it, on, <gasps> Matt. It's not a bad game. It's a great come game on. for its time, but going back yes. and playing Star Fox, I think that's going to make a lot of people go, oh, no, okay, we'll play that for five seconds and then turn it off. So right. I knocked... They're going to put, like, pretty... Dis- like, Super Tennis will show up on the SNES <laughs> right. I love that game. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, not a bad game, but once again, it's like, well, you know, stack that up against Chrono Trigger. It's not exactly fair. But yeah, this, this is this is if I if licensing wasn't a thing, if, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a fantasy world, here are the 30 games that would make the Super Nintendo classic be a absolute perfect buy. So obvious one, Super Mario World, uh, Link to the Past, Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the three big, yes. biggest. It has to have those. If it doesn't, yes. then don't buy it. I'm just yeah. And there's no way it won't have those three. No. I mean, they're all Nintendo made games. Yeah. So those three games will be there. Absolutely. Okay. Then we're going to get into the weird thing because Nintendo has a weird thing with Earthbound. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they would put it on a Super Nintendo Classic just because you got to. Uh, yeah. Okay. Chrono Trigger. Okay. Yes. Final Fantasy three or six. I don't know. Yes. Square might cause a stink and want it to be called six, but whatever. Yeah. That game mm-hmm. will be on there. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario RPG. Oh, okay. Good yes. one. Uh, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, and that's the only Donkey Kong Country I put on here. The other two are great games, but I think that one's the best. Donkey Kong mm-hmm. Country 2 is really, really good. Donkey Kong Country 3 is okay. But just don't. Do- I think you might get two on there. I think you might get yeah. Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2. I think that's a possibility. Uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yes. Great game. Okay. Excellent game. Turtles in Time. Yes. Right, right, right. Yes. Which okay. uh, is better than the arcade version, um, which is mm-hmm. weird, but it totally is. Uh, Yoshi's Island. Which yeah, is, of course. Super, super, sorry, Matt. Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Four, absolutely. <laughs> Pro- that, I think that's my personal. I don't want to offend anyone. I think that may be my favorite game for the Super Nintendo. My, That's a good one. Favorite. That's a great game. It's a great, it's a great game. game. It's a great game. Uh, Super Castlevania 4. Yeah, of course. Yes. Uh, if they're going to have Castlevania, uh, they had Simon's Quest on the NES Classic. Like, Yeah, that's not a classic game in any stretch of the imagination. That's yeah. a terrible video game. Yeah. Having that instead of <laughs> Castlevania 3 yeah. is a, just a... Like, Castlevania 3 had to have cost more, and that's why. That's, that's the yeah. only thing I can think of. Uh, Sunset Riders. 
Mm-hmm. We know you love that game. Oh my god, I love that game. Uh, NBA Jam. <laughs> that would yes. be the Tech Mobile of the SNES Classic. Uh, Mega Man X, because you got to make the Mega Man people happy. Um, not that Mega Man's bad. I just I've never got into Mega Man. Uh, Earthworm Jim Two uh, would be excellent. Gonna have Super some counseling in in the game. Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I accidentally wrote Mega Man X t- on here twice. So <laughs> you really like it. Crud. Uh, okay, fine. Mega Man X. No, Mega Man Soccer will be on there. How about that? Mega Man Soccer is a good game. It is. It is a lot of fun. It's a very good video game. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, I got a tie here because you got to have a Tetris game on here. And I would. I don't think they would put Tetris and Dr. Mario on there because, first of all, I don't think they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, those are two NES games that are repackaged. It would be weird. Like, I didn't put Super Mario All-Stars on here because I that, that would be kind of a bummer if that showed up on the SNES Classic. That it's would be a big game. bummer. It's a good yeah. bummer, but it's a cheat, you know? It's a cheat. Yes, uh, it's a cheat. I think Tetris Attack is a better game because it's essentially Puyo Puyo, but with it's Nintendo awesome. characters. Uh Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. Okay. Uh, which, that would never happen, but it'd be great. No, of course not. <laughs> right. uh, Gradius 3. Okay. Or Gradius, or whatever. Uh, Super, or sorry, Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, Secret of Mana. Okay. Super Smash TV. Okay. Kirby Superstar. Okay, yes. Okay, in the last five... These are Matt picks. These aren't like these are good games. These are good games, but <laughs> I I get kind of stupid with it. Okay. okay. Final Fight Guy. Okay. Okay. Because I like Final Fight. It's classic. Well, Final Fight for the Super Nintendo did not have Guy on it, so they released Final Fight Guy only available at Blockbuster. Um, <laughs> but Guy is better than Cody. Wait, wait, Matt, Kelsey. Blockbuster was a video <laughs> rental store. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> Sometimes it would have, you know, VHSs and yeah. you could buy uh, candy there too. Uh, but Final Fight Guy uh, was this weird game. So they took Cody out, they replaced him with Guy, and it, it's 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 Final Fight, which is great. Uh, Cybernator, which is a Konami, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a shooter mixed with a beat 'em up. It's 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 a cool robot mech game, uh, which is always fun. Uh, Knights of the Round from Capcom, which is uh, King Arthur and uh, Lancelot, and I can't remember who the third character was, but it's a beat 'em up. It's it's a Capcom game. It's did a lot somebody of fun. steal their table? Hmm. Did somebody steal their table? Because all I heard you say was Knights of the Round. Oh yeah, no table. Yeah, I don't know why the title. That's a, just <laughs> Knights of the Round. That's that's uh, that's all they could fit on the label. They just um, really like circular things. <laughs> exactly. The round everything. Uh, <laughs> Act Razor. Yes. Would be cool. Uh, and finally, just because I felt bad not having it on the list, I, I it's a fun game, but it's one of those cases where every game in the series that came out later was just better. Uh, F-Zero. Oh, yeah. F-Zero yeah. will definitely be on yeah. there. It, it will be That's... on there, but yeah. 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 If I'm going to pick my 30, then, then F-Zero, uh, 
I, I wanted to make sure I had a launch game that, and I think I think Sim City is a great game, but not really one that you're really coming to an NES Classic or an SNES Classic for. And I was thinking about Pilot Wings as well. And while Pilot Wings is fun, it's it's I think F Zero is better. Hmm. There you go. Um, That's my thirty. That's a good thirty. Yeah. I think that uh, in the in the in the Castlevania realm, I think that they would probably put even though it wasn't as big here in America, Dracula X yeah. on on that thing because that's that is one of the I think the most loved Castlevania games and the chance to release it something like that I think would would be a big thing for them. It would be cool. Uh, the the SNES yeah. version is not nearly as great as the Turbo Graphics, but or the uh, PC Engine. Uh, but it's yeah, no. But it's still good, and it's still good to hear at least some of that sick music that that yeah, game has. Yeah, it is. It's unreal. It's so good. The game has awesome music. All right, I like it. I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'd be cool to have those kind of games. I mean, I would love to see those big, those like big RPGs that you mentioned, right. End up on that thing. I think it'd be very cool. I mean, that would be, be up to you know Square to play ball mm-hmm. this time around. Um, I, I don't think the, there was any Square games. Uh, Final on. Fantasy was on the NES Classic. Oh, it was. You're right. Okay, so mm-hmm. yeah, so obviously they they have that going in there. Yeah. They've got a good relationship with all those Japanese developers, so I think that the publishers. So I think they'll be able to get it going. Yeah, um, uh, I mean that that's the thing though. It these these games really do hold their value. That's because uh, they're they're excellent. They're sprawling. They're as far as the NES is concerned, a lot of those games are kind of. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to disparage them, but they're primitive. I mean, they are mm-hmm. they are. Uh, quick playing for five minute games. Most of them are. Uh, the SNES really changed the game. Like those games, you know, m- at most I- Super Nintendo games had a battery save feature in them, uh, where the NES did not. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. just because you know these weren't games that you could just kind of rush through. These were games that even like Super Metroid, you know, or Super Mario World. Uh, no Mario game had a, you know, had a save feature on the NES. So, you know, uh, these are going to be bigger games, but they don't necessarily have much of a reason to charge more unless they get a lot of third-party games uh, on there. Right. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some Star Wars stuff Woo! here. So the Star Wars experience was this past week, and they revealed the trailer for the, the teaser for The Last Jedi. Um, among some other things. And one of those things was Star Wars Battlefront 2 was officially announced and given a trailer and given some details. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's going to be a single-player campaign. Um, it's going to encompass all eras of the Star Wars canon um, and well, all of the, the the movie eras stuff. Not not like we're not going like thousands of years in the past. No, to like Kotor times or anything like no. that. But I also doubt um, there's much Clone Wars. Uh, you know, I doubt like Ahsoka will show up in this, which would be awesome. But, uh, yeah, I mean, not in the story, I don't think. No, but I think in the uh, there's chance for like multiplayer stuff because there's a lot of heroes, hero characters from the different eras. Like there's Darth Maul and stuff is in it. So I would imagine them. I imagine that that stuff is probably on the table. Um, in, in some way or another, but the, and the, the story mode is going to follow an Imperial officer who is like an Imperial, like special forces officer. And she is on the ground when the, it's the second death star yes. gets blown up. Right. Um, and sees it happen. And, and it sort of is trying to event spends about 30 years trying to avenge, uh, her emperor. 
um, and which should be cool. It's a cool way to to frame that story, obviously. Yeah. And, and it's, it's what was also sorry to interrupt you. It's no, also no. it will be um, canon as well. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're doing a comic book too, right? Yeah, no, um, a there's a novel. Oh, a novel. Okay. Um, yeah, it's gonna be. They're basically kind of like. Um, she's like the main character's like the commanding officer in a like I think like kind of like a black ops um, mm-hmm. stormtrooper unit called Inferno Squad. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for it. The story sounds very very interesting because it's basically going to bridge the gap between Return of the Jedi and um, Force Awakens, and apparently it's going to go some to sort of. Um, showing you the formation of the first order um so that for me is really cool so yeah that i cannot wait for yeah i mean uh matt you were you seemed very excited about this yeah i i've, <laughs> I've watched all the celebration content uh like mar and i yeah as anyone that has listened to other podcasts uh like with mara or myself on we we, we we uh, there's a joke on legendary runs when we talk about the comics that we've read outside of the run. It's always Star Wars talk, and it just it's Star Wars is a big deal. And this game is this game looks excellent. It looks like they've listened to everything, every complaint uh, that people have with the first Battlefront. Uh, I, I love the first Battlefront, but yeah, story mode is always welcomed. Uh, and and you know, it's it's kind of nice that Disney is not afraid. Disney, I'm getting this vibe that they're not shying away from the prequels too much uh we're getting to a point where the generation that grew up with the prequels they're now nostalgic for the prequels um and so having uh, a lot of content when it comes to you know like darth maul and yoda and all that stuff people love that stuff uh and uh you know in a video game that seems like the perfect setting to reintroduce a lot of it so i i'm yeah. i'm fully on board this game looks this this game looks really really uh you know uh, it looks like uh, it's it's more of the same that we got in the last game, uh, and I'm very excited. Yeah. And Kelsey, are you a big Star Wars fan? I don't even know. Yeah, I love Star Wars. <laughs> Correct answer, well done. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can stay. <laughs> Did you play any of the first Battlefront? Uh, yeah, I got. Well, it came with my PS4. That's why I bought it. Hmm. Um, I liked it. But I'm more excited for this one because of the the campaign mode. The sorry, the story mode. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like super excited to try that out. Uh, I'm excited that it's not from like a perspective that we've seen before, because I read a book last year. It's called Lost Stars. It's Lost Stars. Did you read it? It's so yeah. Good. It's so good. It's so good. You're on the right podcast, Kelsey, if you want to talk about Star Wars books. <laughs> the, the person that, uh, Claudia Gray, who wrote Lost Stars, is writing the tie-in book uh, for... Oh, perfect. Yeah. I wanted to ask, but I wasn't yeah. sure if you guys like knew. Yeah. So, and it kind of reminds me of the female character in that book, that she's like devoted to the Empire, but it's just because that's how she grew up. And I'd be interested to see like how how they twist that into perspective. If they're gonna take some of that like concept and apply it to the game, like 
I really wanna play I, the story mode is what I'm most excited for. Like extremely excited. I love villains and I wanna play a villain who doesn't really know that she is one mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I uh I'm excited too. I mean I the the first game, like it's it's a fun shooter and it looks beautiful and it it has all the Star Wars sort of stuff around it, but the lack of a story mode in a Star Wars game is just kind of a deal breaker for me because that's what I come to Star Wars for is stories and not necessarily action and stuff like that. And I look forward to the action part because Dice Dice makes great shooters and and they're working with Criterion again here because there's going to be space battles and stuff now, much more vehicle stuff, which they were sort of missing in, in, in the original game. And they're working with EA Motive for the story stuff. And they've got the person who wrote the script for um, Spec Ops The Line, doing work on it and then a former uh video game writer named mitch dyer who used to work at ign doing story stuff on it so they're taking the story stuff very very seriously uh which is a good thing to see um that first game sold so well that they could have just said like okay we're gonna make another one just like this and it will sell again because we'll put it out right before episode you know right before the last jedi comes out and people will have like their star wars They'll be frothing at the mouth for Star Wars. It'll come out. We'll put some like you know stuff that they want to see on the on the trailer, and people will buy it. But they didn't do that. They 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 looked at what everyone said, and they really tried to do right by the property. And I think that's um, a heartening thing yeah. to see yeah. at, at this point. And I th- yeah. I think it looks like they they add in some elements from Battlefield as well because there's going to be classes for. Um, soldiers as well as um, vehicles. Oh, that's good. I was going to ask you about that because I didn't. The class-based system is what I like so much about Battlefield. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy that they're bringing that over. So yeah, as opposed to everybody just being on the map and they're running around shooting, each person is going to have like something else they bring to the mm-hmm. battles. Um, and also, um, I'm not other than the fact that it exists. I'm not sure exactly. Um, what it entails but there's also going to be a um, couch co-op mode as well which is pretty cool so um, yeah yeah, if if it seems like it's gonna be like a big game there's gonna be a lot to do in it you know with the campaign couch co-op multiplayer online um, there's gonna be a lot more um, depth in terms of like making your character look different from others by the sounds of it there's going to be a lot more um cosmetic stuff so yeah it does like matt said it sounds like they've basically taken what they did with the first one which kind of like now feels like they were just sort of dipping their toes in the water and just sort of testing how people would feel about it and now they're going yeah okay we're gonna go full on with this one so yeah i can't wait so i'm i may well take the plunge and buy the um, eighty pound version this, that yeah. gets you in. I know where this is going early. already. <laughs> yeah, because I can't sit there for three days while other people are playing a Star Wars game, and I'll, I'll, yeah. Yes, Hugh, don't buy into their bullshit. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have to pay to play the game, or just to play the game early. But it's Star Hugh, Wars. Hugh, you won't be alone. <laughs> yeah, you we'll play together, alone. Matt. Don't, be alone. don't worry. Um, uh, I, I but love, one of the things. I, oh, sorry, sorry Matt, go ahead. No, Matt, no, go ahead. Um, uh, I, I, I would be remiss if I don't talk a little nerdy about the Star Wars stuff, like the actual story. Like that, that's such a cool idea. Uh, if you read Shattered Empire or Aftermath, uh, the stuff that's come out in the past, say, year and a half, uh, like 
like uh, one of the things that happens after Return of the Jedi, according to the new uh, canon, is that Palpatine sends these like sentries. Uh, he, had, he had a contingency plan, essentially, if he died. And you see this in the trailer. You see uh, this officer. I can't remember her name. I know it was announced at the conference. Uh, but you see her basically talking with this hologram pal uh, Palpatine. And it's just like the fact that they're fully embracing like this the entirety of Star Wars and and the new uh you know the new uh, uh consistency as far as the story is concerned uh, that they're trying to create it's very cool I, I i just i'm i'm i i'm thumbs up all around like if i hate to say it i may have watched this trailer more than the last jedi trailer <laughs> Uh, well, there's certainly more in it than the, uh, the yes, last Jedi yes, trailer. Absolutely. Uh, the um, the thing about like about it too in the story stuff is that I, I feel like the, one of the things that Star Wars, especially in this now now time since Disney bought them, they've I don't have any interest in Star Wars stories that take place with characters I know already in between stories where I, that I already know how they begin and end. Like I just I for some reason I cannot get into like like the Jason Aaron like Star Wars comic run like it's really well written but I I'm like I know that these characters are going to be fine like they're <laughs> because I know what happens in the movie you know um and so I end up I don't like I like stories that take place in time periods that I that I don't know about and with characters that I'm not aware of and. You know the reason I like like even though these games aren't amazing the the Force Awake the Force not Force Awakens the Force Unleashed games yes um, the first one I think is a pretty good game and has a really good Star Wars story the second one is a shit game with still a pretty good Star Wars story wrapped up in it um, and I love that story because it's about a character who doesn't exist outside of, of these games. But so whatever happens to him in his story can be whatever it's, it wants to be. It's why I love the Kotor games so much because they can they can have the themes and the uh you know genre conventions that I love about Star Wars much like what Zelda does you know with all their things but I don't have but I can the Han Solo stand-in I don't know what's going to happen to the Han Solo stand-in but I know that in this Han Solo movie that they put out in a year like he's going to be a rap scallion like I know that's what's <laughs> going to happen and you know we're going to you know I'm going to we're going to see that they're going to they're going to tick the boxes they make you go, oh, right, so that's why he does that, or that's why he acts like that. And that stuff doesn't hold a ton of interest for me. So this kind of story holds a lot of interest to me because it's, it's in a time period that hasn't been well-trodden mm -hmm. outside of since they've collapsed the expanded universe right, and restarted it. It hasn't been well-trodden, and, it, and it's with a, a, a character perspective, like Kelsey said, that, I, that I, we haven't really seen before as the main character of something like, mm -hmm. you know, there are characters like, um, in like, uh, the Thrawn, the original Thrawn trilogy who are similar, right. Who are like the emperor was, you know, Mara Jade was definitely like that kind of character yeah. at first. Right. She was a character who was raised by the emperor in some way and felt a debt to the emperor after he had died, but not the same thing as this, which is like this idea of, yeah, like we see all of like the 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 big machinations going on with like the the the, the leaders here. But what about the people who would just like this is how they grew up, and so this is just what they know. And what happens when that life is destroyed? And I think that's an interesting thing to look at, whether or not 
you know, you, you agree with the place they're coming from. It's a very interesting thing to go in. And why, that's why Star Wars is so great, right? It has this huge, rich tapestry of stuff that exists way beyond what George Lucas ever thought w- w- that it would be. Um, and how much he embraces it or doesn't embrace it seems to like waver from like year to year. But whatever that is, he's created something that people can like, that people have adopted so strongly and the world has become so big that I find it to be fascinating when we get stories yeah. like this. This, mm-hmm. this is the first, uh, this is the first story of, of the Duquesne that has, uh, that has followed Imperials exclusively. Lost Stars was divided. I mean, mm-hmm. It was, it, it, it did follow a uh, Imperial protagonist. And it shows the, uh, you know, some sympathy for the bad guys, uh, which also gets me excited is that this book uh, that's tying in with this game, the game's released in November. This book's coming out in July. So it's not like a cash grab. It's it's like five months of space in between the two. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that's pretty cool. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting stuff. And, and one of the things that, you know, we talked about the first game a little bit and it had... I think one of the biggest criticisms of the first game, right, is that like most of the stuff that was added afterwards, you had to pay for, right? It was all it was all wrapped up in a season pass, which you had to have you had to purchase uh, above the sixty dollar game. Um, and Hugh, your kind of topic this week, and I think this will be the last topic we talk about tonight. Um, w- 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 they've changed that with this one, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's not much clarity around it right now because um, originally um, one of the developers from dice was directly quoted um as saying outright um and i'll look at the quote he says he actually said the words we don't have a season pass or at least polygon are quoting him as saying this much <laughs> um and then um eapr sent an email out um, saying, while we are not ready to confirm any live service plans yet, what we can say is that we heard the feedback from our Battlefront community loud and clear. We know that they want more depth, more progression, and more content, so we're focused on delivering every dimension of Star Wars Battlefront 2. We'll have more to share about our plans soon. So, recently we've seen more and more games um, coming away from... Um, having a season pass or if they do have a season pass or a premium pass, whatever we want to call it, the content for it is um, timed. Like if you play, if you pay for the premium pass or the um, season pass, you'll get say like the maps like three weeks early, like um, Battlefield one's doing, um, so, you know, you've got games out there now like Titanfall 2, Overwatch. Any additional content for them is just all f- all free to people. Um, and hearing this, it, it's all like, the f- I, you know, I don't know if it's indicative of things as a whole and happen. it happens behind the scene. Like, it's just speculation. But I'm kind of looking at it thinking, hmm, is this the sort of like you know, the tension that goes on behind the scenes between, like, the developers are basically secretly thinking, we don't want a season pass because we want the people who buy our game to not be fragmented eventually once, you know, once the DLC does start coming and you've got some people who have got extra maps or, you know, extra game modes and stuff like that. 
Um, and then there's other people who just buy the base game who are just then left behind playing just that. Um, so I guess I'm just like curious as to if everybody else feels like maybe we are starting to see um, more evidence of what I feel is quite probably the long and slow death of the season pass. I think that is basically what is my my question to you all. Do you feel that season passes will eventually go the way of the dodo? <laughs> I, I mean, I think for me, I, I think it, it all depends, right, on... You, you, you mentioned one very successful game and one not as successful game, right? Overwatch is extremely successful um, and, and gets a lot of good feeling and good buzz because they go like, you bought the game? Okay, everything that comes out from now on, you're just going to get it. So come back and play the new map. Come back and play the new mode. Come back and play the new character. You don't have to worry about it. You're in regardless. And that's sort of Overwatch's whole thing, right? When everyone's, no matter if you played the game for uh, 150 hours or you're playing your first hour, you have access to the same stuff. Um Something like Battlefield is obviously a much more tiered experience, both in money investment and in time investment, because you get things unlocked as you go through Battlefield. Um, uh, I, I think that people might look at Overwatch and go, okay, like they're so successful, maybe we should do that. Uh, but then they might go like, yeah, but that's Blizzard, and Blizzard can do whatever the hell they want because they're Blizzard, and they just are good at doing this stuff. Um, you know, I, I But I think about... I always th- when, when they talk about this stuff, I always think about... Um, you know, Amanda Palmer, uh, she did a TED Talk years ago. It was called The Art of Asking. And she was talking about her her Kickstarter campaign, right? About how um, she kickstarted her album and made it. And um, when she was trying to work at record companies, they're all about trying to, like, gate off access from people to get their stuff and find a way to force people to buy the, the things that they that they wanted to offer like we want to you know we want you to we want you to buy the deluxe edition so you can get these extra songs blah blah whatever her thing was this thing called the art of asking which is the fact that you don't tell people you don't get it if you don't pay this much you ask them to give you something because you're providing them something they love to do and that's kind of what overwatch does right with the loot boxes kind of thing it's like if you want to give us money here, here's a way you can give us money and you can get cool stuff if you want it or, or not, but you don't have to. Um, and battlefield call of duty, they're the opposite, right? They're like, okay, at a certain point, boom, like you're, if you don't have those new maps, you're done. Like, sorry, you can't play with the people you played with before. And it stops people like me from, you know, once we were a couple of months out after battlefield, I was like, well, there's like two sets of maps that I don't own anymore. I'm never going to play this again. Goodbye. Game goes back. I trade it back in for, for credit, you know, but I'll never do that with Overwatch because I'll keep on playing it. You know, um, I, I think it's going to take a game like this game, which is going to be huge mass market game to do it and prove that they can make money off doing it um, and, and not do a season pass. I mean, I would love if they went away. I don't mind them for like um, narrative content in games, you know, like if you're going to do like, two or three like story based things like the resident evil seven stuff. Like I really like, yeah. And, and destiny and, and destiny. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're doing big chunks of, of content. They're more like expansions than they are 
um, like just like map packs, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, the maps that come in them for multiplayer are like the thing that people least care about when they put out expansion packs for Destiny. Um, those kind of games, it's fine, but games where it's just like, here's some extra maps, I, I would love if that stuff went away. Kelsey, I don't know if you ever like played a multiplayer shooter where you wanted to buy a season pass for map packs or anything like that? Never. I don't, I don't even, if it has a season pass, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Yeah. I just, especially here, like I think for a game, if a game could be upwards of $79.99 to $99.99 and then you want me to buy a season pass so I can get an extra outfit, I don't know. Like to me, it's just, I agree where like if there's an expansion and you want to play like extra story that I get, but if you want to play that story, then you can, you can buy it if that's what you want. Or if you feel like the game's complete without it, you don't have to buy it, Mm -hmm. but to feel like you have to, because you want to keep playing with your friends. Like, I just don't think it's right. And I don't think, and it doesn't appeal to me like that spending, spending more to have like, something that doesn't add that much value to my experience like I know some people would argue like guns are better if you buy them with the season pass or whatever but it's just like it doesn't add it doesn't hold any value to me to spend that extra like sometimes it's like $40 even more it's like a whole other game it's I'm playing I'm paying double the price for the same game as someone who isn't so I just I would wouldn't mind if it went away either yeah Absolutely. Matt, what about you? I, I think it's fine. I, I don't necessarily mind DLC uh, to an extent, but yeah, uh, to echo some of the sentiments that Kelsey mentioned, when it should have been there in the first place, like with, with the first Battlefront, uh, when, you know, uh, Scarif and Tat- uh, the Death Star and uh, Jabba's Palace, all that stuff, all that stuff was cool, but that should have been there for people. Uh, if And if not on release, then it should have, that you shouldn't have had to pay for those maps. I did, but, <laughs> Likewise. but yeah, but it, 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 you know, and then there's things like, uh, cosmetic things like, uh, outfits and things like that. I think, yeah, that, that, that should be the stuff that if you, okay, if you love this game so much, you want to see Han Solo wear his parka from Empire Strikes Back. If you love it that much, and you want to pay a dollar fifty, go crazy, you know. Yeah, totally. Uh, yes, but that was the stuff that the Battlefront uh, first game was giving us for free, and I was kind mm-hmm. of like, "Well, thanks. This is cool, but like, it it just seems wrong, you know, that you paid sixty dollars and they're like, well, hey, uh, we have the same amount of content that is in the game at launch, coming right back uh, for fifteen dollars a pop, four times." uh in four different sessions and it just it it, it kind of felt a little a, a little you know they, and they knew they knew star wars fans were going to pay that so i do like the fact that they're saying hey no season pass i just hope that also means i, I don't know i mean it, it sounds strange but i feel like your game should feel complete and then worry about the extra stuff like last of us is a great example uh yeah. last of us was a complete experience and you know people love that game so much Asking them to pay what was it ten dollars or so to play the uh, the extra story the extra chapter it didn't affect the narrative of the of of the uh, initial product it mm-hmm. it was supplemental which DLC should be um, I, I 
it's it's a it's a it's a thin line, I think. Um, but yeah, when 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 you're putting out content and saying, oh, okay, half the people that have already purchased this game they can't play what the other half is playing, even though they paid their full sixty, um, it's kind of bogus. Yeah, and I mean, and you also run the risk in, in a PR sense of a game like Battlefront, which was multiplayer only and thin, a thin multiplayer exactly, only game. Yes. To, to then go like, okay, here's what should have been in the game, like you said, but you have to pay extra for it. It makes people like me go like, well, then f- fuck this game. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to play. I'm not going to pay you money for you to finish the game. Um, and, and I think that can be an issue. And then there's also the thing I don't like of being like, just, you, you paid 60 bucks. Just trust us. The the extra forty is gonna be worth yeah. it. We're gonna the stuff that we put out is gonna be great. Don't worry about waiting for people to tell you if they're any good. And the biggest you know me is like I bought um the season pass for Batman Arkham Knight. I was just gonna mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a waste um, of time and, that was. And that was a complete waste of money. Um yeah. they they on paper, some of it sounded cool. They had like these little story chapters they were gonna put out. Um, and they, they were, one of them you played as Batgirl, they were, but they were all terrible. None of them were worth anything. They were either incredibly short or really thin. Uh, and then the rest of it was like, you know, a million challenge maps and stuff like that, which is, I know some people really like that stuff, but for me, like, I never care about that stuff. All I want is the story stuff. And yeah, some skins are cool. Like, I like the weird Batman, like, you can make them wear their Batman Beyond skin for the whole game. Like, that's a, that's a cool thing. But like, but I, you know, you, you trust, you, you, you're basically saying, okay, no, it's fine. Like take my 40 bucks extra. I'm sure that you, what you put out will be good. And then when it's not good, it's so much more disappointing because yeah. you sunk so much more into the game. And I'm not saying that like that if, if they're going to put a bunch of extra work that's on top of the game into it, they don't deserve to have be able to charge for that stuff and make money off of it. But I think the days of just going like, okay, there's a game. So obviously we're going to have a $40 season pass need to go away and then like you you, like you said to the extent they are like you don't hear it as much when every game comes out you're not always hearing about a season pass but you know a lot of games do you know and i I bought the resident evil one because i like the resident evil game so much and they've been by and large pretty satisfying so far which has been nice but they could have easily gone the other way um with that stuff and then it's a pain in the neck when you see you know six months after a game's release the game of the year edition come mm-hmm. out and it's like hey you know that game you bought for 60 bucks if you have had waited a few months and, and spent 60 bucks you would have gotten everything you know yeah yeah uh, and in the case of battlefront it didn't take very long before like psm was having sales like the the entire mm-hmm. like complete collection is 25 dollars. you know that like that yeah. that kind of thing like a year after that thing had come out so like it it it's more of a buyer beware thing. I mean, cause look, they they have the right to charge for whatever they want to charge for whenever they want to charge for it. It's up to us as consumers to say, nope, like this is not for me. I don't want this. And and if that happens, if they see those, that those lines on that graph going down, that's what's going to stop them. No amount of being like, oh, we don't like this is going to make them stop if you keep buying it. You know, if you buy the Star Wars season pass, Battlefront season pass, and then you complain about it, you bought it knowing that the last one wasn't good, you know? And if you can't leave your fandom behind and this, they play, they prey on this all the time. They pray on everything, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what industry it is. If there's, if there is a passionate fan base, they will try to exploit it. You need to be able to say, Nope, I'm good. I can wait uh, on this. Um, and then there's this is not Wars. worth it to me. And then there's star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just think that, um, <laughs> 
you know, like Bobby said, with like Overwatch and um, games of a similar nature like that, like you can buy, you know, where the additional stuff is cosmetic, um, like play to win stuff pisses me off. Thankfully, it's not, you know, too common. But part of me kind of feels like I've got more goodwill towards Overwatch because A, it's a great game. B, I love the fact that they're constantly, they're giving me stuff all the time. There's events, there's new maps, there's new characters, there's extra lore, there's, you know, they're just constantly, you know, saying, you know, here you go, here's more stuff for you. And yeah, every now and then I'll just sit, I'll be sat there and I'll think, ah, screw it, I'll, you know, I'll spend £8 on buying like 10 loot boxes or something and just to see what I can get out of them. And I just kind of feel like if my attitude is indicative of like, obviously not everybody's going to be like that, but if, you know, other people are like that, they'll probably end up over a period of time in the lifespan of the game arguably might even end up making more money in additional purchases than the season pass anyway um i mean that's just me speculating obviously i I don't know because they'll never give you the sales figures for these things but i just feel like if you look after your fan base and the people who are playing your game then you know they'll look after you as well like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for like in in Overwatch. I'll, I if there's a a skin I want, um, like I I bought a bunch of loot boxes recently because I want to try and get like as much of the um new skins and stuff. Like you can mm-hmm. buy them with in-game credit as well, but you know, so you know that's that's just me speculating. But I just do I do think if you if you treat people better and you know you know, help them, they'll help you too. So I I think there's a kind of give and take type thing there. So I, I just yeah, think that, absolutely. you know, you give people something, more people are more likely to give you something back. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. And I mean, I put, I put like, I spent like at least a hundred extra dollars in Overwatch. Yeah, exactly. Boxes. <laughs> so, and that's, that's like two and a half season passes if you think about it yeah, really so. exactly but but i i didn't feel like i had to do it right yeah, exactly. i feel like it's... i want to do this like because i want these skins or i want you know whatever i'm feeling like oh it's ten dollars here ten dollars there ten dollars here or whatever um you don't make me feel like i have to do it it's just something extra and nice so that's why i want to do it but yeah we will see I, I hope that they stick to this and hope there is no season pass i mean they can make so much money selling skins i mean are you, are you kidding me you get Star Wars, like you know, like there, there's so many different looks and so many different aesthetics and so many different characters. They could just throw like, like they could th- they could get a whole skin of like the Star Wars Rebels television show and just like a skin pack. Like Matt just spent forty dollars right now. Absolutely, yeah. I would <laughs> buy the Attack of the Clones Anakin skin if Revenge <laughs> of the Sith Anakin was the only one available. Like, sure. That, that's the thing too. I just. They have our money on so many things. I just wish that they would understand that the people that really want it, they'll buy. It. They'll buy stuff. They'll buy the extra mm-hmm. stuff. Like mm-hmm. uh, like the Mortal Kombat game, uh, Mortal Kombat X that Mara just bought because my wife is weird sometimes. Uh, <laughs> um, we bought the standard <laughs> one and 
I was looking at the DLC on it because I was trying to compare the difference between Mortal Kombat X and XL. And I was like, hey, do you want Predator and Leatherface and uh, and, and uh, the Xenomorph and all this stuff? And she's like, no. And uh, But I was like, do you want the classic skins? And so we paid five extra dollars because I want to see Sonya Blade wear the outfit that Sonya Blade is supposed to wear. Like, <laughs> like we'll, we'll spend our money, but but yeah, don't. Don't put a paywall, uh, you know, against content like real like content that should have been there. And it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's frustrating. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. It's all right. It. I think that I think that's a, a good discussion on, on Battlefront and all that stuff. And I think uh, I think it's a good place to, to wrap us up here. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, you want to send us uh, questions at talking underscore games on Twitter or games at talking is the email address for that. Um, next week, we're going to be doing sort of our in-depth, just talk about games the whole time show. So uh, we won't be doing, we won't be doing sort of the same segmented thing, but we'll be talking a lot about the different games. I know Justin has a lot to say about mass effect and near and stuff like that. We'll go a little deeper on persona, stuff like that. So we'll definitely jump into that. Um, we uh justin and i started our youtube uh let's play series called monster so Closet, funny uh, where we play horror games because justin hates horror games so uh we're playing resident evil 7 right now the first part is up as of this recording and the second part will be out on friday um and we're recording another part uh i think friday night so we usually stream them out. We we streamed the last one out live just to actually because of the backup to make sure if anything happened to the local recording it was still there. So we'll probably stream that live on Twitch and then um, it will it will be up there when it's up there. And then I'll probably take it down and then we'll release it in parts as we go along on YouTube. But um, look for it Friday night, probably around nine if you want to watch it live. Um, other than that, it'll be on YouTube and you know, there's a playlist for it and everything. And Hugh played through um, the first episode of Guardians of the Galaxy. It is. And that's up on our YouTube channel as well. Um, and if you're listening to this, uh, we rec- we record uh, and broadcast live for patrons every week here. Uh, but if you want video versions of the podcast and you're not a patron, the week after they air um, on Patreon, they go up on our YouTube channel as well. So the last three are up there right now. If you want to check those out, but you can buy our uh, season pass to watch them live. Yes, yes, you can. You can buy our season pass to watch them live. We have our paywall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Matt, I'm at Johnny Matt Wood. Uh, Kelsey. Kelsamus, K-E-L-S-S-A-M-U-S. And Hugh. I am at H underscore Paz. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Talking Games. Please go to TalkingComicBooks.com and check out uh, all the articles that go up there. Check out our, our, our huge grouping of podcasts as well. But until next time, thank you, Matt. Thank you, uh, Hugh. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Bobby. And thank you to all of you who are listening. Until then... Be good to one another.